Okay, let's get into the news for the week ending Friday, October 22nd. Uh, and just so you know, there are nine weeks left until Christmas. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. So the news everyone uh, was talking about this week was the launch of the ProShares Bitcoin ETF. Um, it took off like a rocket, bringing in more than a billion dollars in the first two days. Um, but are you going to get into that? Uh, ETF? Uh, are you feeling like uh, this is a more legitimate way to expose yourself to cryptocurrencies? Well, it is important to know that this is not, this ETF is not what they call a spot or physically backed ETF. This means ProShares doesn't actually own any Bitcoin. It's just trading futures contracts on the CME or the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And all of those futures are settled in cash, like fiat money. So that said, this is still an interesting development, just that the SEC approved this and it moves Bitcoin further towards the mainstream and increases the FOMO and the quote, I love this word, hopium around the asset, um, which in turn is hopefully going to continue to drive up prices. Um, and one might say that it was partially responsible for had the hitting all-time highs this week. But I just bought a little bit just to have it in my portfolio, but I still prefer buying and holding the actual asset itself rather than a derivative that trades in derivatives, if you know what I mean. So next up, uh, have you read Susie Orman's latest book? Okay, it was released in 2020, and it's a decent read. It's called uh, The Ultimate Retirement Guide for 50 Plus, Winning Strategies to Make Your Money Last a Lifetime. Now, if you have not read that book, I recommend it. I like Susie Orman. There's some good information in there, and there's some sound advice. Um, there's some of the advice in there I don't agree with, um, like the idea that everyone should work until they're 70. But overall, it's a good read. And especially for people who are behind, you know, it's it's got some practical stuff going on in there. Anyway, one of the things that she talks about in this book is guaranteed income in the form of annuities. And in this book, she's a proponent of fixed annuities. Now, if you're surprised by this, uh, then you're probably familiar with Susie's previous stance, where she was pretty much... Uh, opposed to annuities across the board, or at least uh, that was my uh, experience in following her. Um, so why does she promote the idea now? Well, I don't know, but I did find it an interesting aspect of the book. And I'm not for or against annuities, but I can tell you that they're not for me. If you look at the returns and the fees on some of these, I, I can't make them make sense. Okay. They might make sense for you, but I can do way better investing in other assets that'll beat the hell out of any annuity, and I won't have to pay some insurance salesman a 6% commission for the right to get a 4% or lower return. But lately, I've been thinking more and more about guaranteed income. Uh, two days ago, I, I got an email from the property manager of one of my Ohio houses, and they're having to do an emergency sewer repair. Okay, this is the second time, which tells me that the fucking tenants are flushing inappropriate materials down the toilet. Uh, the first time this happened, yeah, it was last year during the toilet paper shortage. So God knows what they were using to clean up after themselves, but it clogged the sewer pipe. So now uh, that they're on their second clog, I am going to make sure they are not offered the ability to re-up their lease, uh, which comes up in February because, well, I'm not going to keep paying for their stupidity. So anyway, what, what's my point? Well, rent is not guaranteed income. Yes, you've got to have reserves on hand for these little emergencies, but you need to refill the coffers when stuff like this happens and that reduces your income. 
when I retire, I'm going to have a lot of little income streams from houses and syndications, but it can vary, okay, as opposed to guaranteed income. So with the houses, these, this could come in the form of vacancies or repairs. And with the apartment syndication, well, the likelihood is lower, but there could be cash flow interruptions. And as I've spoken about before, you know, uh, with some of these syndications, you might not get any cash flow for the first year or maybe even the first two years. Um, so... Again, not guaranteed income. So it might be nice to have part of your income, whether it's a few hundred bucks a month, a couple or a couple of grand coming in at the same amount month after month, month after month. Now, a lot of people will accomplish this simply by buying dividend stocks. And I think that's brilliant. Hell, Exxon uh, is paying around five and a half percent for their dividend. That's not bad. Let's say you wanted to earn a couple of grand a month. Well, you'd need to buy about a half a million dollars worth of that stock. Now, here's where I personally get really scared about the dividend stock concept. Okay, if I bought Exxon, say in January 2018, shares were 88 bucks. Okay, and what if that half a million, okay, that I'm going to be spending is a good portion of my net worth? Well, by January 2020, those shares had dropped from 88 to 66 bucks. So I just took a serious haircut. I'm getting, you know, a, a, a healthy dividend, but today now the stock is at 62. So while I like the idea of investing in stocks that provide decent dividend yields, you're still exposing yourself to an asset that can crater. And then what are you going to do? And yeah, back in the 1980s, if you wanted guaranteed income, you could buy bonds, CDs, or you could put your cash into like money markets and you'd be golden. In today's world, the outsized returns that your parents were making on those safe assets, well, they're science fiction. And I doubt we're ever going to see anything like that in our lifetime again. So how could you get decent guaranteed income today without having to buy an annuity? Well, I've mentioned that I'm getting crazy returns on cryptocurrencies, but again, you're exposing yourself to an asset that is very volatile. And just like owning stock, the value of these cryptocurrencies can crater. They do regularly. But there are cryptos that aren't volatile, and those are called stable coins. So if you're not familiar, stable coins are digital currencies that are pegged to either a fiat currency or some other asset like, say, gold. Okay, so... While some of them might move a tiny bit, they stay very close to or exactly the same as the asset that they're pegged to. So it's simple and it's relatively safe. The main fear one might have is that the issuer of the actual coin doesn't actually have the backing currency on reserve. And you may have heard about the stablecoin Tether. The company behind that one uh, called Bitfinex lied and claimed that every Tether coin was backed by a dollar. But during an investigation by the New York Attorney General, company officials admitted, admitted that that was never true. That said, in a very quick search, I mean, I took two minutes to do this, I was able to find eight stable coins that you can buy. And if you stake them or hold them with certain custodians, you can earn over 7% interest. Okay. So you're not going to be exposing yourself to the volatility of traditional cryptocurrencies or stocks and you're getting over 7% interest. Anyway, it's worth doing some research if you're interested in this concept. Now, I just heard an interview with Kevin O'Leary. You may know him as Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, and he's put a ton of cash into stable coins because apparently his company sold a bunch of commercial real estate 
and they needed a place to park the cash. And the best offers that he was getting was like 0.2%. So he was like, fuck this. I'm going to just put the cash into stable coins where it's working for him and returning more than the rate of inflation. So it makes sense. And I think to me, if Kevin O'Leary is going to be putting institutional bucks into these stable coins, I think that that gives it some legitimacy. I mean, he knows a shit ton more about money than I do. So how long are you going to actually be able to get these kind of returns? Well, I have no idea. I mean, once the SEC kind of clears the way for large funds and institutional investors to to get more into these types of assets, there's going to be a flood of money coming in and it would stand to reason that these uh, interest rates are not going to be sustainable. But for now, I think it's a sound and safe strategy. And you can do it in BlockFi. Have you opened a BlockFi account yet? Well, if you did, you'd see that you can buy a stable coin called DAI, D-A-I. Um, if you buy DAI on BlockFi, they're paying 8.25% interest. So think about that. So if you have any money in a savings account, I hope you realize that it's shrinking. Okay, I've talked until I'm blue in the face about inflation lately, and it's only getting worse Anyway, this is just food for thought. This is not investment advice. For me, since I'm still six years and about eight months away from retiring, I'm not interested in these stable coins. I believe that I'm going to get crazy asymmetric returns on Bitcoin and a few other um, cryptocurrencies that aren't stable coins. So I'm going to continue to throw money at those. Um, and I don't fear the volatility at this point. But once I'm retired, I can seriously see putting some portion of my portfolio into a stable coin or multiple coins and have that interest be a nice little guaranteed income plan for myself without having to pay the crazy commissions and fees for um, annuities. So if you're interested in at least exploring the concept, get your BlockFi account, okay? Go to rogueretirementlounge.com slash crypto, and you're going to get free crypto just for signing up through that link. And you'll be supporting the show, which I really, really appreciate. There have been some people who have signed up through that link, and I love you all. I really appreciate it. And on top of that, you're going to get 8.25% interest on your die holdings. So win-win, baby, win-win, uh, roguetirementlounge.com slash crypto. Anyway, next up, let's talk about living abroad, okay? Now, if you're a listener to this show, you know that I really believe you need a geographic plan B in your back pocket for any number of reasons. You know, like say if your stock portfolio tanks a year before you retire and you need to live on a lower amount of income than you had anticipated. Or say like me, you live in a town that's destroying itself and you see the writing on the wall, okay? Or say like me, you live in a state that adds another 8% or 10% worth of income taxes on top of your federal taxes. The plan B doesn't have to be international, but... Uh, you know, if you want to talk about dramatic cost savings, it's definitely worth exploring the concept. So do you listen to George Gammon's podcast? It's called The Rebel Capitalist, and it's great. You should. Uh, if you want to learn about macroeconomics, it's definitely one of the best podcasts out there. And George is just a super cool dude. Anyway, George... Uh, is uh, he's successfully retired and he happily lived in uh, Medellin, Colombia for a few years. He regularly talks about it and he owns, uh, he still owns real estate uh, down there and that's investment real estate. Uh, and anyway, he has very positive things to say about Colombia, specifically Medellin. Um, and when you talk about the cost of living, 
It's crazy how you can live if you've got, say, three grand or so per month. All that said, this week I found an article on uh, Market Watch about a couple who lived in Medellin, among other places, and it kind of got my interest in Colombia rekindled. And I want to share some excerpts from the article. So check this out. John and Susan Pazera are unusual expats. They seem to move just about every three years. They've lived in Boquete, Panama, uh, then Medellin, the second largest city in Colombia, uh, once known for Pablo Escobar and drug cartels. And when COVID made all the things they love about the city unlivable, they decided to move to El Retiro, uh, a smaller, quieter town about 45 minutes away. They're already talking about moving to Spain to better explore Europe and Africa in several years once they no longer have dogs. And that's probably won't be the last place. Anyway, these this couple is a big dog couple. We're healthy and we have a lot of energy and there's a lot of places we still want to see, said John, who is 66 years old. Susan, his wife, is 62. In 2015, uh, after John retired from a job in the wholesale wine and spirits industry at 59, the pair moved to Boquete in the mountains of Panama. Susan continued to work remotely until she retired in June 2021. Okay, so... This is worth noting. I don't know how much you know about Boquete, Panama, but it's way inland there and you can live there for really cheap. It's a lush, beautiful place. Uh, and this gal was able to successfully work remotely from Boquete. So food for thought. The article continues. Boquete attracts foreign retirees. Its expat community is estimated between 3,500 and 5,000 people. That made the transition to living outside the U.S. relatively easy, they said. They didn't uh, need to speak much Spanish to feel comfortable, and they could continue using the U.S. dollar. Yeah, but yes, by the way, Panama uses the U.S. dollar, rather than dealing with uh, exchange rate fluctuations. They even bought a home there. Quote, for us, it was a good launching pad to becoming expats, Susan said. But after three years, they decided to move on. We got restless. We wanted uh, to improve our Spanish and have more of a connection to the community. We wanted to be more challenged, said Susan. When they visited friends from Boquete who had moved to Medellin, they decided this was their next home. The cost of living is lower. The medical care is better than in Boquete, they've discovered. So is both the infrastructure and the weather. They rarely have power outages, can drink water from the tap, which that's a big deal, uh, and aren't getting the deluges of rain that Boquete experiences in its seven-month-long wet season. When they want to visit family in the U.S., it's easier and cheaper to get a flight. So after COVID lockdown Medellin, they decided to move again this time to El Retiro, a town of about 21,000 people, 45 minutes from Medellin. The couple says they feel more immersed in Colombia than they did in the larger city. They live about four blocks from the town's main square and spend their time studying Spanish, meeting friends, and blogging about their life. They've bought a car and started traveling again. Their goal is to visit every country in South America before they leave Colombia. Quote, we live a very comfortable middle-class lifestyle. For $4,000 a month, excluding travel, Susan said, while acknowledging it's possible to live on a smaller budget. In California, where they had lived, quote, to live this lifestyle, we'd have to be mega, mega millionaires. The Pizarras rent a 2,150 square foot, three-story, three-bedroom townhouse with a backyard for $900 a month. They paid about the same in Medellin for a 1,775-square-foot apartment. Okay, so that's, that's big places for 900 bucks a month. 
Okay, so you can only imagine if you could survive in a 1,500 square foot place, you probably save a lot of money and could live for well under that. And among other costs, their utilities, um, electricity, water, and trash clock in at $67 a month. Internet, phone, and cable TV cost $25 a month in El Retiro. And get this, a set menu lunch for two at a local Tipico restaurant in El Retiro costs seven or eight dollars that's for a lunch for two and the bill at their local steak restaurant is 20 to 25 with a bottle of wine dinner for two at an upscale restaurant is 50 bucks okay let those numbers marinate for a bit the first concern that uh, most people have or that I talk to when they talk about moving uh, to a different uh, country is healthcare so the article continues in Colombia, the Pazeres are required to pay into the national insurance program. It costs them $116 a month and covers both of them. $116 a month. They haven't had to pay anything for blood work or dental cleaning, for example. But seeing a specialist can be harder and it wouldn't cover a private room in a hospital. So they've recently supplemented it with a private policy that gives them all of that for $140 a month. They've also previously uh, paid some costs out of pocket, such as 35 bucks for a private doctor to come into their home and do a full physical. So if you want to read that whole article, uh, I put a link in the show notes. Anyway, I love my international travel, and I can't wait to live abroad for at least six months at a time in a few different places. You know, I've talked about Mexico. That's definitely on the list. Um, and I really want to live in Japan for a while. Um, I love it there. Anyway, it's fun stuff to think about, and you can save an insane amount of money by living in some of these other countries. Uh, finally today, I have a stock that I want you to watch, okay? I'm going to put a grand into this on on Monday just for fun. Uh, the stock is called, uh, the company is called Argo Blockchain, okay? And it trades under the symbol ARBK on the NASDAQ. This uh, week, five firms initiated analyst coverage and all of them gave it a buy rating. Okay. So Argo is a London-based crypto mining company and the stock just went public recently opening at 1501. And as of today, Saturday, the 23rd of October, uh, it's in after hours trading, it's at $17 even. Okay. So it hasn't had a gigantic post-IPO jump. Jeffrey's analyst, Jonathan Peterson, has a 12-month price target of $30 a share. He said, quote, Bitcoin mining should remain a high-margin business, and ARBK's margin should improve as they build out in Texas where power rates, which are predictably the company's largest OPEX, are half the rate of the in-place portfolio. Peterson also thinks uh, the Argo's investment in sustainable energy and decentralized finance is a differentiating factor versus its mining peers. Anyway, again, that ticker is ARBK, and I'm uh, not recommending that you buy it. I think it's just worth watching. Again, I'm going to throw in a grand on Monday just to, for fun, and we'll see what happens. Anyway, that's it for today. Uh, oh, and I just bought more Bitcoin at 61K. Now, if you're like me, you're probably kicking yourself for not buying more at 35 but it is what it is. I'm totally bought into the hype. I firmly believe we're still in a Bitcoin bull market. And I also believe that we're going to see that asset blow up over the next five years to over 500 grand. So I'm happy to keep dollar cost averaging my way in. 
Uh, and one last time, if you go to roguetirementlounge.com slash crypto, it'll send you to a BlockFi signup page where they will give you free crypto when you open and fund your account. Okay, it's not too late to get started in what could end up being the future of money. And BlockFi is the bank of the future. So that's uh, roguetirementlounge.com slash crypto. Okay, have a great one. And I'm going to be back at you in a few days. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 